Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino up in Blackhawk, they always have amazing giveaways. And uh, this time, they have really outdone themselves. They are giving away a remote-controlled jet. Now you're thinking, a remote-controlled jet. Yeah, a remote-controlled jet. Now, if you don't want this thing, that's totally cool. They'll give you $28,000 in cash instead. Nobody does promotions better than Sasquatch Casino up in Blackhawk. And what is that jet? You could look it up. It's a large model RC-104 Starfighter. But it's more than just great promotions up at Sasquatch Casino. Uh, they have daily cash drawings. I think they have really loose slots. And they have a sports book as well. Food's tremendous. They're a family-owned casino that treats you like family. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoke and Dave's Barbecue and Brew, Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Go get some tonight in Denver, Centennial, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers, uh, we thought he was going to make his decision today on the Pat McAfee show. Um, I believe he said one of the previous times that he was on, he was going to when he he said he was going to make his decision on that show, but he said he was going to do it in person. The minute I saw him on video, I knew he was not going to be making his decision. Yeah, it reached a point where I was actually looking to see uh, about private planes that were headed. Did in you go there? I did. Yes, and there was nothing that could have been him. Where this stands right now, and he said that. Uh, he had a meeting, but everybody knew he had a meeting with the Packers following the season. He stayed in Green Bay for a few extra days. He said the meetings were much different than they've been in the past. And he said it was in a positive way. Before yes, before today, how would you have handicapped these three things and put a percentage on it? Huh. Retire, staying in Green Bay, or asking for a trade. Not coming to the Broncos, because I'll, I'll give you probably a better option for him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, than Denver. You know what a much better option for him is? Name it. Indy. Terrific offensive line, pretty good defense, excellent running back, and a division that he can run roughshod through. Not to mention a pretty good offensive coach in Frank Reich, too. Yep. That runs a scheme that is not the exact same, but is the same language. It's it's off of the West Coast tree. Right, he wouldn't have. There wouldn't be any learning. There'd be some adjustment, but there wouldn't be any learning of a new language going on for Aaron Rodgers. What would be worse for Broncos fans? Rodgers coming out and saying, "Either A, I'm retiring, Mm -hmm. or B, I'm going back to the Packers, or or I want to be traded," and then he gets traded to another team. Just keeping you on the string, hanging there. Oh, that's the worst thing, is if he gets traded. Wouldn't that be just awful? Especially in the AFC. Right. Like, if it was, uh, you mentioned Indianapolis. 
what if Miami jumped into the chat? Right. Who just got a new coach of their own. Somebody who has historical ties to the Broncos and Mike McDaniel, who uh, was a, a ball boy and a, a coaching intern here and uh, uh, is you know went to Smoky Hill High and is Colorado through and through and comes from out of Kyle Shanahan's scheme and Mike Shanahan's orbit. And if Rogers said, I want to be traded, but I'd be prefer, be prefer to be traded to Miami to that, that would be a kick in the groin. I could right. say something stronger, but I'm not going to. Right. But that would hurt. Here's the thing. If you if you are a Broncos fan, you better hope if Roger says he wants to be traded that he doesn't have anybody on his list that has a young quarterback because of all the draft capital the Broncos currently have. Do you want that draft capital or do you want Tua? Do you want that draft capital or do you want uh or do you want uh, Derek Carr? Do you want that draft capital or do you want maybe another young quarterback? And that comes up with Russell Wilson as well, because every rumbling that you hear about Russell Wilson is that Seattle wants a potential quarterback answer in return. Wouldn't it be something, Mace? Wouldn't it be something that the Broncos have not been able to solve the quarterback riddle since Manning retired and they lose out on Aaron Rodgers because they haven't been able to solve the riddle? Mm-hmm. That would be like they don't getting, have anything of value they can give up. That would be like getting smashed in the face with a frying pan, a cast iron pan, okay? A cast iron pan because they haven't had a quarterback since Manning retired. And then as you're falling backwards, somebody takes that same frying pan and like a Rafael Nadal top spin forehand smacks you in the back of the head as you're falling backwards. Because the t- the Packers traded Rodgers to a team that has a quarterback, at least a young one. And and here's the thing. Regardless of what a certain percentage of the Broncos fan base thinks, other NFL teams think more highly of Tua Tungvaluwa than Drew Locke. Uh, I'll, I'll add to it. They think more of Carson Wentz. Yeah. And there Carson... Are a lot of- Carson Wentz can be traded. Well, I'll bring another team into this because they're floating around Russell Wilson, Washington. And I do believe Drew Locke has better raw tools than Taylor Heineke. But I also believe that if you surveyed every other team, you'd find more interest in Taylor Heineke than Drew Locke. Which I know sounds sounds a little bit crazy, but Drew Locke is valued much more highly by percentage of the Bronco fan base than anyone else or than anyone else around the league values about. And we and as we saw today with Justin Outen, offensive coordinator, asked about him, said, hey, he's got a powerful arm. He's done a good, good job using his legs and being an athlete. But we know Basically that. referring to we know that. week week eighteen when he scored two touchdowns on the ground, something he really hadn't done to that degree before, and then said, quote, I want to see how he fits in this system a little more when he gets the playbook under him, and we'll go from there, unquote. That is that that is as milquetoast as you're going to get. That is not an endorsement. That is, we'll see. And we've talked about what we'll see means, right? For you, it's with in parenting. can be positive. For me, it's probably not. In I this, say we'll no, see. In this case, I see it as a probably not. Yeah. And he, here's the deal. 
the Broncos are going to look to upgrade, whether it's in the draft or free agency. Or trade. Right. Yes. And oh, by the way. Somebody else is coming at quarterback. Right. Probably it, to start. Right. If not immediately, then very soon. Right. I mean, who would you rather have, honestly? Drew Locke or Marcus Mariota? Wow, that's the second time it's come up today. I think I think Mar- I'd rather have Mariota. Mariota, I think, is a better option because he has some of the um let me he has he has a better understanding of this offense that Hackett's about to put in. Yeah, he ran it in Tennessee under Matt LaFleur. Right. Yes. Now I've And he and he's and and the last couple of years as a backup, it's all West Coast with the Raiders. Right. In recent years. I've seen people There's say, no transition from Mariota except getting used to the receivers and he does he does make fewer mistakes. You could say maybe the ceiling isn't high. By the way, is it really a good thing that Mariota has a better understanding of Hackett's offense when he wasn't good in it? Well, that's where you start saying, "Okay, are there other possibilities outside as well?" What about Jameis Winston? No, he doesn't fit. He doesn't know the system at all. That's what I mean. He doesn't know the system. He doesn't know it. But I, I will say this: he's got he's there's still the high ceiling thing there with him. Well, I'll give you I'll give you something. But there's a low floor. I'll give you something that's a major positive that people made fun of about Jameis Winston when he got LASIK surgery. Well, finally he won't throw an interception. And a fourteen to three touchdown interception right. ratio. Right. With Sean Payton. Well, apparently still. it worked. Now, but you got to be careful about Jameis Winston, and I'll tell you why. Teddy Bridgewater played really well under Sean Payton, too. He did, and he played just about as well. No, I wouldn't say really well. He played he, okay. And, and, he, he, played and he had pretty comparable numbers with Pat Shermer as he did with Sean Payton. Are you exhausted? So what I'm, what I'm saying is I think if you did get Jameis Winston, I think you would expect Closer to New Orleans, Jameis. Any interest in Trubisky? Or is he such damaged goods? I don't. I think if you put him in there with Drew Locke, I think it's a coin flip. The one reason why I would be intrigued by Winston, even though he'd have to learn the scheme, is I think there's the high, it's the whole high ceiling. It's boom or bust, but you, you hit the nail on the head with LASIK. He wasn't. He he was a more a less mistake prone quarterback last year. I th- can you agree with me on this? New Orleans is a playoff team if he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, absolutely they are. Yeah, and maybe they make some noise. Right. Question is, what would you have to pay? Who'd you rather, Winston? Well, coming off the injury, could you get Jameis? And I think Winston and Mariota might be similar contracts. Who'd you rather? Twenty five million over two years. Fine. Fifteen to seventeen guaranteed. Who would you rather have? Either Mariota or Winston or Jimmy G. Mariota or Winston. So would I. Because I'm not giving up a draft pick. Right. I'm just signing him on the market. It, that, that, that is easy. And I think we've seen, I think we've seen peak Jimmy G. Okay. Well, I think the juice had, I, I think the juice has been squeezed to a degree that it won't get to elsewhere. With Mariota, after a couple of years of kind of football rehab on the bench behind Derek Carr, and with Jameis Winston, who was a much more precise quarterback and less mistake-prone quarterback post-LASIK, I think you look at these two and say, there might be a more that we can get out of them, and you're doing it without not only without having to give, give up a draft pick, you're probably 
it's probably less on your cap as well. I'll, I'll to me, it's easy. I'll tell you what makes sense. If you can't get Rodgers, you can't get Wilson. You know what makes a lot of sense? Mm-hmm. Bring in Mariota and then definitely find a way to get Malik Willis. Ooh, I like that. Thank you. You, I, what do you want to like bet? that a lot? What do you want to bet? I'm going to hear that on the DNVR tomorrow. Yeah, but I'll cite you. You don't have to cite me. I really don't care. But I, I come do. up with somebody. I come but up. But I with, do. Mace, I come. I up believe with, in giving credit where credit is due. Mace, listen. I come up with so many great ideas a day. You don't have enough time on that podcast to compliment me. Uh. That you are, you are pretty deal. full of yourself. That, that is, thank you, Danny. That is the I'm kind of a big deal thing right there. I come oh up with so gosh. few good wow. ideas. But actually, here's the thing. If you bring in Winston, if you bring in Winston, then it makes more sense to bring not to bring in Willis because you're constructing two different offenses. Yeah. Right? Another thing with Winston is... Um, Let's say it was Winston and Drew Locke. That would be a crazy quarterback competition. Wait, Win- At, Winston, Locke, and Willis? Or just the two of them? Locke won't be on the team. You don't think he's going to be on the team? No. I, well, he, listen, you're not going to make Willis the third string guy. Oh, I agree. Look, if you draft Willis, I'm saying that if you bring in, what if it's Winston, Locke, and you don't draft a quarterback round one? Then, then that makes sense. Personally, I don't, if you draft a quarterback, Locke should not be on this team. And I'll tell you why. Because he's only taking reps from the guy that you really try and develop. Well, but here's another reason why. You do not want to have Locke and a rookie. That's the worst case scenario. Can I tell you why? Ma- Mariota still believes he can be a starter, but he's probably accepted maybe I won't be. Same thing with Winston. Locke is young enough where he believes he still should be a starter. Well, he said that he feels he deserves to be a starter. Then you don't want to have a guy on the roster who you drafted in the first round to take his spot. I'm not saying Drew Locke wouldn't help a Willis or somebody else, but why would he? I I think it would be more like Joe Flacco trying to help him. Yeah, you have to know your role, and I don't think Drew Locke is necessarily... He believes he's a starter. He he believes that. Now, does he deserve to be a starter? On balance of his career? No, but he believes he should be. Coming up after the break, today's press conference with all the coordinators. I saw something. I think you saw something today that I I can tell you personally, I've never, ever seen or heard at a press conference introducing coordinators in my life. And I've been doing this 30 years. We'll talk about it next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Colorado Off-Road. They have all the major accessory brands for your truck, your car, your Jeep, 
your SUV, and there's so many other great things about buying from Colorado Off-Road. First of all, they're going to install everything. And if you need something aftermarket, they have over 90 years of combined experience to get you what you want. You go to those big box stores, they want to sell you something brand new. At Colorado Off-Road, they want to sell you what you need, what you want, and they are going to give you the best advice. Here's another great thing about Colorado Off-Road. I love the fact that in a world of big corporate-owned places like Colorado Off-Road, they are local. So local, in fact, Jerry, the owner, is from Littleton, and his business is in Littleton. You need to upfit today at Colorado Off-Road. They are Colorado-grown, Colorado-owned. That's Colorado Off-Road. Go to cooffroad.com or find them in Littleton. Time now for The Buzz. The Buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmeurosport.com. Give me a couple of top takeaways from today's press conference with all of the coordinators and every single guy on the coaching staff in the room. And Nathaniel Hackett not only pointed out each guy and recognized him, but talked about him. Well, you said and I've it, never seen that before. You said earlier, um, if you'd had a drinking game and uh, you'd taken a shot with uh, every time collaboration was mentioned, you would have been passed out yep. midway through the press conference. It was very much about collaboration being one unit working together. Uh, complimentary football, that phrase wasn't used, but it was highly implied when you had Justin Allen, offensive coordinator, talking about protecting the ball and turnover margin. Dwayne Stukes, special teams coordinator, talking about uh, his unit's job being field position and helping the defense and helping the uh, in coverage and helping the offense with with what it does in returns. So it was very that was kind of the first takeaway was was everybody working together. There were some interesting things beneath the surface. And you and I had a conversation at 2 o'clock this afternoon um, when I was uh, driving back to my my home office to get some work done before the show. And they they got into the process, especially Ejiro Evero, defensive coordinator, talking about this, and how you've got to maintain the process even when things are, are not working out. That is very easy to say when things are going well. What happens when things aren't going well? That's when you start kind of deviating from it. How did he said you have to put blinders on? But how do you kind of make sure you're doing? Well, talk just about that. what Von Miller said. Well, Von Miller, a few weeks after he joined the Rams, he said one of the things that he liked was how whether they won or lost, there was a consistent approach week to week, which contrasted in Denver where they'd lose and all of a sudden things would change. Oh, okay, we lost the game, so we have to do this. There was an overreaction, and overreaction to defeat. And part of it is the Rams, they were in year five with Sean McVay last year. So he's had success. He's got some hand in terms of, uh, in terms of his power. And as a result, he and his staff certainly didn't feel like they had to change a lot of things up when they lost three in a row right after Vaughn Miller got there. Remember, uh, Vaughn got there one game into a three, or, or one got there, and they went on a three-game losing streak. They eventually got turned around and figured out, but what happens if that takes place this year? What if this Bronco team loses four in a row? 
how do you make sure that you stay focused on what your process is and stay patient and put those blinders on? That's going to be the test for the staff. We don't know what we're going to have in them until they're faced with it. I'm not doubting what Evero is saying. I'm not doubting it. Um, and they're all first-time coordinators, and those coordinators and Hackett will be working together closely, and, of course, those coordinators will work closely with the guys who are working for them, with them, whatever you want to call it. Okay? And they all have their ideas, and they've dreamed about being coordinators for their entire coaching careers. And it all sounds great. Mm-hmm. Okay? But Mike Tyson might have one of the greatest lines of all time when it comes to adversity. Everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. Mm -hmm. And if you go on a five-game losing streak for as much as you want to stay on course, and they're saying this now, having never been a coordinator for a game, Hackett never being a head coach for a game. And oh, by the way, not knowing who your owner's going to be. You don't know if you're... You really think that plays a big role in it? Well, I think uh, if you have an owner, you don't know if you're going to get a patient owner or an impetuous owner. True, especially when it goes up for auction. And then you really, that's, that's really out of your control. That's the rogue element in all this is the is the fiduciary responsibility to go to the highest bidder. Right. That, that you I really, understand that. You really don't know what kind of uh, what kind of mentality you're going to get. You right. can't, it, it's not a situation where you're going to sell to the person you're most comfortable with. It's going to be who who has the most, most cash. What Ivaro said makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But it also takes a lot of discipline to keep marching on that path that you believe that you have built and not veer. It's kind of like, here, it's kind of like a crew on a ship and they launch under 72 degrees, clear skies, no wind. And then they're out at sea, and suddenly the storm hits. They've been trained. They have been trained how to handle that. But everybody reacts differently in the middle of a storm. And a four or five game losing streak for a young coaching staff would be considered a storm. Are you going to go by what you believed before you launched, or do you get too emotional? And you start making decisions that might not be the script that you had in your head before the boat went to sea. I'll tell you what, and that's where I think there's one guy on this staff who might prove really valuable. Dom Capers. Bingo. What happened in his first head coaching gig in Carolina? You tell me. You you were covering the team. I wasn't covering the team, but I remember it well. They lost five in a row to start. Right. The, The change they made was they decided to then put in their first round rookie, Kerry Collins. Right over Frank Reich, they did that. I think three games in. You know what the best thing? For but me? they they finished that season seven and nine, and part of it was because they, you know, that you know you had a couple of of roster changes, but overall, in terms of philosophy, they didn't start screwing with their game plans and and start and start junking them and junking their overall plan after getting to 0-3. They stuck with it. Now, they had the luxury of being an expansion team. That afforded them that They also had a f- number one overall pick. Uh, no, Kerry Collins, I believe, went fifth overall. Oh, fifth overall. Okay, Mem- right. Yeah, it was weird that year that... Um, well, they had a quarterback they, in waiting. They had a quarterback, they had a quarterback in waiting. Um, 
I'll but, tell you. The, but what tur- but actually what turned it around that year wasn't the quarterback. It was Dom Capers. He, you know, he he and Vic Fangio are connected, okay? And that's why and it's another reason why I think you can expect to see schematically, and Ezio Evero said they're going to stick with a 3-4. They may tweak some things. But schematically, I think you're going to see a defense that looks very much like the one you just saw. Did Capers and, go off script when they had lost five in a row outside of changing the quarterback to no, the best of your knowledge? No. They, especially on defense, which was his specialty. And Fangio was his coordinator, but Capers was calling the plays. They stuck with their plan. And takes a lot of discipline to do that. It does it? in his first head coaching job, right? To their credit, they trusted the process. Now the problem is, is Broncos country patient enough to, if this team starts zero and five, to trust Hackett and trust the process. Coming up after the break, today's the anniversary. Forty-two years ago today, a lot of you probably don't even remember it. I don't even know. If, I don't think you remember it, Mace. Do you? I was uh, about three and a half then. So yeah, you probably don't. No. Okay. Well, I was. I was twelve. And I remember it well. And I remember everything that was going on around the U.S. hockey team beating the Soviets. Miracle on ice. 42 years ago today. It's by far and away in this country the greatest upset in sports history. However, what's the second greatest? That's next. Colorado, Rocky Mountain High. I've seen it rain and fire in the sky. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Got some breaking news coming in, Danny. Do you remember Kyle Sloter? I do. Broncos, Colorado. Yep, Broncos preseason star of 2017, Colt Hero. He is back in pro football. Good. He is the first round pick of the USFL's New Orleans Breakers. Kyle Sloter getting another shot. You know who wasn't picked in the first round of the USFL draft, which was all quarterbacks? Paxton Lynch. Correct. Yeah. Nobody wants anything to do with him. Nothing to do with him. Yeah, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the CFL just cut him. That's right. Yeah. All right, time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda or find them at sthmazda.com. Okay, 42 years ago today, the U.S. men's ice hockey team beat the Soviet Union, miracle on ice, at the 1980 Winter Olympics, just to put that into perspective for you. Uh, for those that don't remember it, take the world champion Tampa Bay Lightning, add Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, a couple of other all-stars, and that was the Soviet team against a bunch of college all-stars. That's how significant it was. Just to put odds into perspective for you, they were 1,000 to 1 to win that game. 1,000 to 1. Literally 1,000 to 1, really. 1,000 to 1, I read that. To win the game or to win the gold medal? To win the game. Wow. 
And by the way, a lot of people don't remember this. Uh, had they not won the gold medal game, they would not have medaled at all. Yeah, well, it wasn't so much the gold medal game. The way it was was you they were in two groups, I, right. I believe, of six teams each. Yep. You played round robin against the other five teams in your group. And then the top two teams from each group advanced. Right. And you played the two teams from the opposite group. Right. And then what it, and then they took the result of those two games plus your early round robin game right. against the other team. Right. And and put it all together. And if the US had lost that Sunday game to Finland, they would have finished against Sweden, the Soviets in Finland with a win, a loss, and a tie. And they could have been out of the medal count entirely on goal differential. Right. Okay, so I think most people would agree in the United States, greatest upset of all time. Yeah. What's the second greatest? Because we always talk about the greatest, and we always usually have the same answer. What's the second greatest upset of all time? NAIA Chaminade over number one Virginia basketball, uh, December 23rd, 1982. Good choice. Obscure choice, but a uh, that's actually one I'm just barely old enough to remember. Well, when get- Ralph Sampson was the biggest star in college basketball, when college basketball stars were like NBA stars in terms of how prominent and it was, like, and it, it was one of those things. It happened late at night, two nights before Christmas, and it yep. kind of was like, really, like, like it was like they lost to who? What? Right, right, yeah. Um, that one's hard to top uh, in terms beyond other than the Miracle on Ice. That one's because of the level between the two teams. That's hard. To, that's hard to beat. Well, I'll give you something from college that's pretty close. Yeah. It's when Appalachian State went to Michigan and beat Michigan, the Wolverines were the fifth-ranked team in the country. That was another one I was going to throw in there. But to me, that's not even. But in that's my, not. But that's not on the same level as Chaminade. I wouldn't say Chaminade's number two. Although I think it was a huge upset. Yeah. I'll go with Buster Douglas beating Mike Tyson. Okay. 42 to 1 odds. And I remember that fight. I didn't watch it, but I remember. And I was a big boxing fan back in the day. I remember waking up the next morning, driving into work, and I heard on the radio, I said, you have got to be kidding me. Well, here's a little thing that I thought that tells you where that fight kind of ranked going into what people thought of it. This was back in the day when... You, you when still, I was in college, it was well, 1990. No, but you remember, like, in, this was still when you had closed circuit coverage. Like, yeah. you'd go to a you go to a theater and watch the fight, right? Or by then, you were starting to see pay per view, right? And this was the case for basically every heavyweight championship fight. You'd have to go watch on closed circuit, or by then, you'd pay 49.95 or whatever on pay per view. This fight was considered to be such an afterthought, even though Mike Tyson was in it. It was broadcast live on HBO. Yeah. Instead of being something that people had to pay for. Because it was it was just thought that Tyson was going to go to Tokyo, you know, do his business in a couple of rounds, get back on the plane. It was not considered to be anything more than a walkover. It... I'm trying to think of like what a good equivalent would be. Um, to what? I mean, it's 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 like to, is there no, is there anything else that could kind of match up to that in terms of what that what losing that fight was like, like, um, like the ultimate walkover type of situation, and you lose, right? 
all you can make the case all Mike Tyson needed to do is show up, and he did, but he didn't train for the fight. Right. And you saw what kind of career Buster Douglas had after that, which should even highlight how big of an upset it was, because Buster Douglas gained all this weight and he was nothing. Yeah, it the whole the whole existence of the fight was well, the heavyweight champion needs to fight every now and again. Right. And they and and let's and I think that was Mike Tyson's first fight in the Far East. It was let's get this global superstar in front of a huge crowd in Tokyo, right? right? Let's let's make some let's 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 make let's make a few quick millions and get out. I'll give you I'll give you a, a bigger upset than that. This is the second biggest upset of all time. Even bigger than Chaminade and Virginia, or as you would say Virginia. And I'm only going by the odds. Yeah. And it's very ironic the word we're using. Cuz back in 1919, Man of War the horse mm-hmm. was undefeated. Hundred to one odds. Hundred to one odds for this horse to beat Man of War. And the name of that horse? Upset. Hmm. That's where the term upset comes from. Hundred to one odds to beat Man of War, who seemed unbeatable that year. Hundred to one odds. Put this in perspective. I just said it a, a few minutes ago. Mike Tyson was 42 to 1 odds. This was 100 to 1. That's how big of an upset upset was. Not bad. Is that crazy? Yeah. I mean, there are other ones that that are that are big upsets when you talk about, you know, college basketball, you know, Villanova beating Georgetown, not as big as oh, that, Virginia, I mean, not as big as Virginia. And George and, and Nova played Georgetown tough in the regular season that year, and they were, I believe, an eight seed. Right. That's, there were a turn, they were legitimate top, top, right. It was top 20. They were a legitimate top 30 team going into that, that in the tournament by, at that point, had already beaten, um, I want to say they beat Maryland with Len Bias, North Carolina with Kenny Smith and Brad Doherty, and then Memphis, a great Memphis State team well, with Keith Lee. Well, Nova had, had proven their bona fides. Well, but they had to shoot seventy nine percent from oh, they, the floor to win to, the game. They, they had to be perfect. But when you're talking, but when I think of like a huge, the things that like put no, it, I'm not putting it up a, against Virginia. Yeah, I don't know. No, I'm not making a comparison. Yeah. But I'll give you one that is comparable: the Jets beating the Colts in the Super Bowl. Nobody thought that was possible. Nobody thought. Nobody it was, thought that it was possible. possible. Nobody but thought that, that was but possible. But that end up kind of, but in retro, it's kind of like going in, no one thought it was possible. Nobody but then did. in retrospect, what you realize, especially the following year when the Chiefs followed that up by whipping the Vikings, what we didn't know going into that was that the AFL was closer to the NFL than sure. anybody realized. Sure. But going into it, it was like, right. wow. And you could even say a little bit of the same with App State. App State, I believe, won the national title in FCS that year. And we know now that App State was put, had put together a really good program that was probably already better than about 30 or 40 in what is now FBS. But we didn't know that going into that day. What do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? Well, on a very special Tuesday, we're going to take a look at some of the great number twos across sports and also... Uh, a certain Bronco with a very impressive streak. I thought this was an interesting tweet today from NFL on CBS, so we'll talk about that as well on the other side right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports.
Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products. Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Well, today is a Tuesday. It's also 2-22-22. So, uh, who is the best number two in Denver sports history? Tulowitzki. Tulowitzki, easy. Tulowitzki. And it's even in the name. How about it's, that? It's no thought, did you, no did thought, that dawn on you? No thought for Alex English? Yeah. Very, very good. And, I, and he's the only one that you could say. Yeah. It's way too early to crown Pat Sertan. Yeah, way too But early. you could see him entering the chat yeah. in the next few years, easily. If Troy Tulowitzki doesn't get injured, but he did, he could have gone down as one of the best shortstops ever. However, Alex English certainly gets the nod. The question is, who's the greatest two of all time? That was my follow-up. Okay. Are we going to go 22 as well? Or just two? Uh, you could if you want. I okay. was just going to keep it with two. But. I mean, the, the first, you know. Ooh. You think about, like, Derek Jeter. Yep. Um, He didn't wear number two for his entire career. Yep. Moses Malone. He was great. Yeah. Um, Kawhi Leonard wore number two. Yep. He, he's, he's in the conversation. Yep. Those those are all very good. Kevin, uh, see, I don't like. I don't remember Kevin Garnett as two, right? Even though he did wear two. I will go. I'm going to go hockey on you. I'm going to give you three guys who wore number two. Honoring our friend Nolan, Al McGinnis is on the list. Okay, Mr. Slapshot. Brian Leach is on the list. Good choice. And Slava Fatisov is on the list. All Hall of Famers. All of them. 22. And think about Fatisov. We didn't even see peak Fatisov either. Right. It came he came way late. Came, played into his 40s because he couldn't right. start playing in the NHL until he right. was in his 30s. Now, 22, you have a lot more options. Yeah. Um. What number? 22. Uh, I'll start you off. Emmett Smith. Okay. Clayton Kershaw. Clyde Drexler. Nah, he's not there. I'd take Elgin Baylor over him, over Clyde Drexler. Okay. But in, in baseball, Ricky, didn't Ricky Henderson? Ricky Henderson, Jim Palmer. But I'm more of a hockey guy when it comes to numbers. Yes. So again, an ode to St. Louis, Brett Hall. Brett Hall, I thought wore 16. He wore he wore 22 as well. Not in St. Louis. Well, he did wear 22. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, he did right. But the yeah. best, but the best twenty-two in hockey history 
is Mike Bossy. He wins. Roger Clemens, by the way, was 22 as well. Briefly, right, in Houston? Uh-huh. See, I, I, when I think of 22 for a baseball uh, for a baseball picture, I think of Kershaw. Right. He's the best 22 right now, I'd say. Yeah. At least among it, when he's done his He's career. been consistent with that. Just in case you missed it, saw this tweet today from NFL on CBS. The longest st- active streak of consecutive seasons with nine-plus touchdowns is none other than Melvin Gordon. Uh-huh. And uh, he's follow- he has six of them. Derrick Henry has four. Aaron Jones also has four. And then 11 players are tied with two. Melvin Gordon, unrestricted free agent. If you're George Payton, how much of a priority is bringing back Melvin Gordon? I think he should be a priority. I think I have I have him as a higher priority than George Payton probably does. Running backs are ultimately fungible assets, and you can probably find you can move Mike Boone up to number two, and then find a running back probably round four, round five to fill out the depth chart. That being said, I think unfor- unfortunately things do still kind of come back to Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers is a Bronco, I think Melvin Gordon gives Denver a significant hometown discount and says, I still want to be here. If not, I think Melvin Gordon, the, the place where he should end up is Buffalo. Yeah. They oh, could no really, doubt. They could they really could use, use Mel- Melvin Gordon might have made them a Super Bowl champion this year. Here, th- this this will sum it up for you. Okay. Outside of Leonard Fournette, name the last running back who was picked in the first round to win a Super Bowl. You're going to be thinking a while. A very long time. Has it happened since Emmett Smith? I don't think so. That's my point. A while. Yeah. With his, with his drafted team or just ever? Well, I would think it would be the drafted team. Because Leonard Fournette won it with Tampa Bay. And right. And he wasn't by drafted Jackson. by them. Yeah. Emmett Smith. And then what What about before Emmett Smith? Sean Alexander came close but lost in the Super Bowl. No, I said win the Super Bowl, not come close. Right. That's what I mean. He right. He, but Marshawn Lynch. Them. What? There you go. That's who Andrew who? brought up. Who? Yep. Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch. Lynch. Marshawn Lynch, but again, not with not with the team that drafted him. Right. Correct. Marshall Falk, but not with the team that drafted him. There He's you drafted. go. Yeah. Edgering James. Oh, Ed, Wait. Was he still with Indy when they won the Super Bowl? I don't know. I don't think he was. I think he was a Cardinal by. I, I mean, there, he might there, have been a Cardinal by. There then. was a long streak of wide receivers who are going to go into the Hall of Fame, not to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, Edgering James there, missed. Edgering James missed it by a year. Yeah, he left the Colts after 05, went to the Cardinals, and then lost the Super Bowl yeah. in 08 with the Cardinals. That's going to do it for us. I mean, nobody loves the Cardinals more. Then Nolan. <laughs> Different type of Cardinals. Great job today, Nolan. Same with you, Danny. Mace, always enjoy being in studio with you. Likewise. We'll do it again tomorrow. I know that you asked me to be out on time at 56.30. Is that right? Okay. Let's be out at 56.30. And I've made up my mind. I ain't wasting